The cast and guests of Inside IOST do not intend to convey investment or financial advice. Please do your own research before choosing to buy or sell any digital assets or cryptocurrencies. Hello, folks, and welcome to another action-packed and information-filled episode of Inside IOST. We are the first and the best source of all information regarding the IOST ecosystem, news, and happenings. I'm Evan Schindler, and with my co-founders of the Leobi Node, we have powered this podcast. That is Josh Bryant and Peter Kay. We are the Leobi Node. If you enjoy our content, please head over to bis.com, iost.bis.com, throw us a vote. Uh, also, if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a rating that will help us get found by more people for our listeners. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, rate, comment, subscribe, all that cool stuff. And feel free to comment. We're definitely looking to uh, to answer some comments, as well as joining our Telegram. I'll post all those links in the video for you. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. As you know, I'm here by my lonesome, but Josh Bryant was able to join me for an awesome interview with Mr. Ben Waters. He is the head of international markets at IOST. He's hanging out over there in Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, so he's going back and forth between Singapore, Beijing. He's got all the happenings, what's going on over there. We covered in this interview, we talked about um, the mainnet launch, switching over from the ERC-20 over to, you know, obviously the IOST mainnet. We covered the big news, the Huobi, 700 million votes for Huobi puts them far and ahead away in first place as a node. Uh, we got Ben's opinion on that and some of the IOST, um, you know, what they've been talking about as far as how they think that's going to affect the ecosystem. I know a lot of people were excited to see that. We talked about the future of governance on IOST. We talked about wallets. What are the best wallets? What are the recommended wallets to be using with IOST right now? All that and much more. It's about a 25-minute interview, so I hope you guys appreciate it. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Leobi, and uh, I'm not going to waste any more time with you guys listening to me. Let's dive right into the interview. All right, folks, we have with us on the line now Mr. Ben Waters. He is the head of international markets for IOST. It's kind of a big deal having this guy. He's a big shot on Absolutely. the show. Ben, how you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? <laughs> we're very well. We're, we're happy to have you on. We're glad that uh, you can come on and, and give us some answers to some of these questions that we've had. Uh, hopefully, you've been watching the show. We've been doing our best to try and define some of the rewards and uh, some of the survey distribution questions, things like that. So we're happy to have you on to you know give us the, the definitive answer for some of these things. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the introduction. I mean, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a developer, right. But I work fairly closely with the, with the product team. Um, so I do have a fairly good insight into a lot of this stuff. Um, so hopefully I can answer, you know, that those, uh, particular questions you might've seen in, in some of the, the groups that we have, there's been various different discussions going around about rewards and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully I can answer specifically the questions that you guys have for me today. Sure. Sure. So why don't we start off with an easy one, Ben? Why don't you tell us what exactly your role is within IOST and where are you based out of? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I joined IOST pretty much the beginning of 2018, um, just after the raise and, and, and the launch of the initial project. Um, I joined initially as, um, head of global marketing strategy and managing director for the US. Um, so actually I was in San Francisco. I was based there most of 2018, um, basically overseeing the setup of, of the operation there um, and you know creating awareness for IOST um, partnerships and, and that type of thing over in the US. 
Um, I spent a bit of time in Europe and now I'm currently based in Asia, um, basically between Beijing and Singapore, um, working quite closely with the, the, the Beijing team as well as some of the guys in Singapore. Um, my role as head of international markets is somewhat as it sounds. I pretty much oversee everything that's going on outside of China, Japan and Korea. Um, so a lot of my focus is on um, business development. So that's partnerships, exchanges, wallets, developers, all that type of stuff. Um, I interact quite a lot with, with you guys and all the other serving nodes that are on the network. So that's kind of a, a part of my role as well. Um, and then I also do still work quite closely on um, marketing, strategy, those types of things. So I work with our PR agency, um, who is based out of Singapore, um, and those types of things as well. So on top of that, there's a lot of operational stuff that I deal with, um, even like a bit of finance and HR and uh, recruitment and all that type of thing. Cool. Great. Well, thanks for the intro. Um, on one of our calls with all the nodes, you said that you had a role in designing the contribution reward system. And so I'd like to talk about that today. Can you talk about you know, what your role was in that, what you think the strengths or the system are, what the purpose was, and how you designed the contribution reward system? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I pretty much took the lead in designing that. Um, I worked with, uh, of course, the product team as well as Jimmy, the CEO, and Terry, our CTO. Um, but I draft up the, the proposal based on, um, you know, the, the kind of framework um, that, that we kind of discussed and agreed on. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, really the, the, the main objective of, of the reward system was about creating um, a mechanism which essentially somewhat empowered smaller nodes versus to larger nodes. We you know, a common theme with IOST is we really want to separate ourselves from some of the other projects, which is really about the more tokens you have, the more you get back. So we wanted to change that focus a bit to be that the more you contribute to IOST, as you contribute to the ecosystem, the more you can earn back as a result of that. Um, so that's kind of like the foundation of the, the reward system. And I think it goes pretty well in addressing the, those key points. So. In reality, if, if you get the 2.1 million IOST tokens required to become a node, um, you can earn as much as anyone, the, the number one node on the network, right? If your contribution to the, to the network is high and you get into that top tier, that top 20% of contributors, then you earn the same amount as anyone else in that tier, um, which is totally independent of how many tokens that you have um, staked and voted for your node. Yeah, I, I have to commend you and the team on kind of how you designed the whole thing. I think it's excellent. And, you know, as you just said, you don't have to have the most massive amount of votes to, to earn rewards on the network. And I think that's really cool. A lot of independent people who are doing podcasts or building dApps will have a chance to enjoy, uh, you know, the reap the benefits of their, their hard work on the network. Um, speaking of large pools of rewards and large amounts of votes, we wanted to ask your opinion on, um, the recent Huobi uh, kind of huge amount of votes that they've just received. I think it was something like 700 million or mm, something. Over, yeah. Um, and I'm, we're, we're guessing is that that was the amount of IOST that's on their exchange um, that they've now kind of applied to their own node. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a good thing for the network? I know we've seen the same kind of thing with the EOS. Um, 
top 21 block producers as well. We just wanted to get kind of your thoughts on, on that whole situation. Yeah, so I, it's a great question. It's very topical. Um, it was a surprise for me, actually, when I saw it this morning. Um, I was literally talking with, with Terry about that exact topic five minutes ago on, on, on WeChat. Um, the first thing to say is that we're pretty confident that it's actually um, Hoibi's own tokens, right? It's not their um, exchange users' tokens. Um, I think there's some discussion going on in the survey node group on Telegram which basically identifies the IOST uh, wallets, right? And so you can see that it's not actually all of the IOST that they're holding on the exchange. Um, but it, it's a very new situation for me. I don't have any more insight than, than, than you guys or anyone else. I, I spoke to Terry about it. It was brand new news to him as well. Um, it's, of course, a function of the open network itself, right? Um, these guys have created a node. And I don't know how much you know about the Hoibi pool, but essentially, it's 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 for that specific reason, right? To to pull people's no uh, pull pull people's tokens and things like that. So if that's what's going on, that may be the case. Um, of course, we can't restrict too much in terms of we can't tell them that they can't do that, right? Because you know they're playing by the rules, and everyone and the rules are the same for everyone. Um, but I do think it's somewhat addressed by the 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 proof of believability consensus algorithm anyway. So. Um, there's also been some debate a little bit around the, the exact mechanisms within the POB consensus algorithm. But essentially, it's designed such that even if you have very large holder, large nodes on the network that have large amounts of tokens staked for them, they still will be removed and rotated through the committee, right? So it actually doesn't make a lot of sense to have one node with a really, really high amount of tokens. In fact, it's much more efficient to split up those tokens across multiple different nodes, which they're not doing, okay? And if they were doing that, I would say that's probably even maybe more of an issue, right? Um, because the reality is, and this is something I was just talking with Terry about, that the block production rewards are capped at 117th of total. So you can't earn more than 117th of the total block production rewards available. Right. So what you're essentially doing by putting all of these tokens on one node is you're just going to hit the cap. So you're not really benefiting from all the extra tokens. Um, so I think we'll see how it works out. I know, obviously, you know, it was a surprise for me as a surprise for the other nodes. And of course, you know, if they're looking at it thinking, oh, we've just lost half of our rewards. Um, I don't actually think that's the case. I think because of the um, algorithm itself for the block production rewards, they're not going to be earning more than one seventeenth of the total rewards. Um, will they even submit for the, the contribution reward fund, which remember is 25% of the whole fund as well? Probably not because are they actually like contributing to the ecosystem that there's a case to be made there, I suppose, but will they bother to, you know, submit the, the application and go through that process as well? So if they don't do that and they're just relying on their block production rewards relative to their votes, their rewards are going to be quite low. Um, so it looks on the face of it that it's, you know, a pretty big issue, but I actually think maybe in practice it's not going to be such an issue. Um, but I think we're going to see how that develops over the next few days and maybe the next couple of weeks. Can you talk a little more about that one seventeenth of rewards? I just did some quick math and I think that's like 5.8%. Um, and right now their total nodes, I think are closer to 33%. I understand there are 17 nodes that are in uh, the committee every 10 minutes, right? 
So um, is there some sort of, can you talk a little bit more about that 117th? How does that work? I, I know that I was reading the survey can be capped, um, you know, after you reach a certain number. So is, is that how that works or can you just talk a little bit more about that process? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think what you're referring to there is about the, the survey being capped at 10x your initial votes. Okay, so that was the um, that was what was put in, in the initial design of the POB algorithm. Now, there was a bit of discussion over the last few days in the survey node group, um, especially regarding with the talk, some talks with the tech team, where they may have adjusted that a little bit, right? So even though a lot of the balancing, of course, happened in testnet, I think they're still balancing a little bit um, and there was a talk about shifting away from this, clearing the, the survey amount equal to the, the 17th node and doing it more on a slight average basis of the whole committee because that would make it more fair and you would have a higher rotation. Um, so I'm still actually trying to get 100% clarity if that has been implemented or if we're still based on the 17th uh, node survey amount, okay? Um, but then to come back to the 117th point, I, I, I just mentioned I was talking with Terry directly um, on, on WeChat, and he mentioned to me that you know the one seventeenth cap on block production rewards still does exist. Um, I believe that's hard written into the POB algorithm. Um, so that's the discussion. I didn't I didn't manage to finish that discussion with him, but uh, the block production rewards are capped at one seventeenth, which, which Terry has just mentioned to me, um, which I think really directly deals with that issue, right? Um, so as I say, I, I think what needs to happen really is to get a little bit more clarity about that finalized decision that's been made there, um, which I think is going to happen over the next, it should happen by the end of the week. Interesting. Well, it's really helpful for us and I'm sure our viewers too. Uh, can you talk about the governance moving forward, like how these decisions are going to be made? I know as we're getting things off the ground here, um, you know, IOST has sort of set up the POB mechanism. We've read a lot about that, but what's your vision? What's the, what's the project's vision long-term for governance? Yeah, so um, I think I mentioned this a little bit on, on the last uh, survey node call that we had. Um, and really, you know, why are we doing all this stuff, right? At the end of the day, you know, you've got to be aligned on this idea of somewhat decentralized government and definitely this, the decentralized aspect of the network, right? So, of course... We want to slowly migrate um, the operation of the network as a whole into this decentralized functioning, you know, um, platform, right? So, um, of course, and it's quite interesting, you know, um, I've only been working in blockchain um, a bit over a year, um, and it's a new space for a lot of us, right? And, and there's a lot of challenges in achieving this truly decentralized nature to, to, to a platform, right? Um, and, of course, we have... I think we have pretty much achieved a lot of the decentralization of, of the nodes, especially with, um, you know, the, this initiative that we've run. We have over 200 nodes now. Um, seven, 70 of them at least are running servers already. Um, so already we can say from that respect, we're more decentralized than EOS um, and Tron and, and, and other projects. Um, but if we're talking about decentralized governance, um, it's more tricky, right? It, it, it's quite a challenge in some regards. Um, I've always been a keen follower of Decreed, and I think that's quite an interesting um, project where they're essentially trying to decentralize. You know, it, it's a it's a hard fork of Bitcoin, right? And they're trying to decentralize, put that decentralized governance on top of it. And there's a lot of challenges there as well because ultimately, someone has to make a decision, even if it's decentralized. 
someone's got to make a decision around the decentralization, right? So there's always this kind of centralized aspect to something, which is always a bit of a challenge. Um, so that's kind of the big picture for things. But how I see it developing with IRST, um, I definitely think in terms of the decisions that affect participants on the network, that needs to happen in a decentralized way going forward. Um, so it's kind of obvious how we can achieve that, right? So um, it's making a few key decisions about how much voting power do um, participants in the network have. So do token holders get to vote on proposals? Um, do nodes get to vote equally? Or do they get a weighting based on their votes? Um, so personally, I think that there needs to be, you, people shouldn't be able to vote just on the total votes that they have, and there should be a balancing mechanism like we see on, on the POV consensus as well. Um, should people with more votes get somewhat of a weighted higher vote? I think probably yes. Um, I think the more kind of skin you have in the game, perhaps these decisions will affect you more, and therefore you should have a somewhat more weighting. Um, if we're talking about certain decisions, we could talk, for example, about the contribution system. So let's say a very simple decision would be how frequently do we do the, the submissions and the payouts, right? So currently we've agreed on, on a quarterly. So let's say someone from the community or, or a node said, we want to change it to a six month, right? Or, or something like that. So they could essentially make this proposal. And if they submitted it onto, I can see it as a very simple system. Um, basically people could come in and vote for it. And if it got enough votes, it would then rise to the top and then it would be considered, it would be put to the whole community. Everyone would have a chance to vote depending on how you do the weighting um, of nodes versus token holders, et cetera. And then if it passes, it gets implemented. So it's a, sim it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mechanism similar to what we see in a few other projects. It's quite similar to how Decree does theirs as well, which I do think is quite an interesting model that they have. Um, but then it's deciding, and this is the problem I see with Decreed as well, it's deciding what needs to be voted on and what doesn't, right? And ultimately, that's when you come back to this issue of someone has to make that decision, right? So, so you're always somewhat drawn back to, to someone having to make a decision whether it should be decentralized or not, right? Which, which is the challenge. Um, but I think we're going to see how that develops going forward. Um, I think as the ecosystem grows and it gets bigger, then it has to become decentralized, right? Because, you know, the more people that are involved in it, the more people, the, these decisions are affecting more and more people, the, the larger the ecosystem is. And therefore, of course, it requires more decentralized governments going, go, going forward. Um, but that's kind of like a, like a top level kind of answer to your question. Um, but I think we're not going to see too much movement on, on the implementation side of it for probably the next three to six months. You know, Ben, in a lot of the uh, IOST medium articles, we've seen sort of at the bottom, they, they are always asking for suggestions or proposals, uh, especially for decentralizing some of these things. Uh, contribution rewards comes to mind. Um, what right now is the process for nodes or even for voters uh, to submit a proposal or a suggestion to make a change or to create some sort of decentralized mechanism? What, how would they go about creating that proposal and getting that out there to the rest of the ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I mean currently it's very simple, right? If you're a node in the international community, then you can just email me. Uh, it, it's really that simple. And then if, if we get a proposal for something, then what we'll do is 
firstly, I, I, I'll always pass it on to the rest of the team and we'll discuss it internally. Um, but for example, for voting on, on specific things, we would basically do it via the, the ICA, ICAC meetings, which we've already been running. So that's, that is the star of the platform, which is going to allow that type of stuff. So for example, um, we did it with the reward system, right? We had the call, we explained it, we opened up the forum to, to, to feedback and suggestions. Um, we did get emails from quite a few people with suggestions and changes. We had those open discussions as well um, in the Telegram group, um, on the call as well, just discussing the various points, the pros and cons. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really just the, the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, as we see that evolve into more of a formalized process um, where people can really, rather than us reach out for, for consultation on some things, we want to see that coming in from, from the ecosystem, right? Them coming in with unique proposals and suggestions and those types of things as well. Ben, can you talk about um, on BIS right now? I think a lot of people have voted their tokens through that platform. What are the next steps going to be for... Um, and I was on there yesterday and I saw there was an option to redeem, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. And then when the votes will release, um, kind of what are the, the, the next steps here over the next week or two? Yeah. So I'm fairly independent from this. I don't work, um, directly with them in any way. Um, but I can tell you that, um, currently the main net token swap is, is in progress, right? So whether you have your tokens on this or, or Binance or, or Hoibi, essentially they're, um, changing your, your ERC20 tokens into the mainnet token. Um, for BIS specifically, if you deposited um, for the early bird rewards and, and you staked and you voted, then they're going to be automatically transferred onto the mainnet tokens. They're going to be automatically restaked for the, for the node that you voted for. And you're going to be able to unstake and, and withdraw the tokens, the mainnet tokens. I believe the first day that's going to be available is March the 19th. Excellent. Um, we'll have to continue monitoring that and see how smooth the, the transition goes. I know you guys have been working hard. Ben, I just wanted to ask you one more question. I know we're kind of running out of time here. Um, what what right now are the wallets that people can use? I know uh, we had one guy um, on Telegram, Chris, who's in our, our Telegram group and in the main Telegram group, he was showing off Token Pocket and they were making wallet-to-wallet -wallet transactions pretty quickly. So I know Token Pocket's one. Are there any other wallets right now out there that make it easy to transfer tokens and stake your votes for uh, node candidates? Yeah, so there's, there's, this is a discussion actually I was having um, with Jimmy and Terry earlier today, which is what are the, the, the wallets that you know, are basically ready and we want to be talking about. There's two that we want to be talking about right now because we feel that they're the ones that are currently ready. There's quite a few others in the pipeline, um, but Token Pocket and Kobo Wallet are the, are the two. Um, I think Token Pocket has done quite a lot and they've moved quite quickly. Um, I was just talking with someone else earlier today and they were saying that from today, basically now or two hours ago on uh, iOS, you could um, get your mainnet tokens, your iOS tokens via um, that wallet. Um, for Kobo Pay, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's now operational as well. For Android users, it's Wednesday um, for Token Pocket. Awesome. Anything else for the man, Josh? I don't think so. Thanks for joining the show, Ben. It's been a great interview. Thanks for having me. You've uh, cleared up a lot of things for us and I'm sure our viewers too. Great. Yeah, I'm glad I could help. As I say, you know, it's, uh, you know there's a lot going on. We've, we've all been super busy. 
I think uh, I think Jimmy's given up sleeping. To be honest, um, <laughs> he he messages me at four a.m. in the morning or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pleasure. We really want to appreciate everything you guys are doing. We love the we love the videos. Um, we love all the contributions we see to the iOS ecosystem, and and just thanks for everyone for giving support for iOS. And uh, we hope you stick with you guys stick with us. Um, you know, and and we see a, a great 2019. All right, we're looking forward to it, Ben. Thanks for joining the Inside IOST podcast, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.